Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Now, auto workers in Canada may go on strike. Target company Ford Motors. What's this? Donald Trump courting the UAW? What President Sean Fain has to say about that. And today on the show, we check in with transport workers local 556 and what they're doing today against Southwest Airlines and the bricklayers and allied craft workers on mental health and suicide. Welcome to the Wednesday, September 20th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Lynn Montgomery will be our first guest on the show today, longtime supporter of America's Workforce. In fact, she reached out to us about a week ago for very good reason. A little background on Lynn. She's president of the Transport Workers Local 556. They have about... 15,000 members, all flight attendants, working for Southwest 24-7, 365 days a year. Well, here's the deal. The company is celebrating an event in Denver, Colorado today. In fact, at this hour, it's called a spirit party. Now, the flight attendants are saying, you know what? I don't think we want to be part of that party. So what they're doing is setting up pickets just steps away from the so-called spirit party. The message is pretty clear. Corporate greed cannot continue to overlook the needs and welfare of the backbone of the airline. The backbone of the airline, the 15,000 flight attendants. A couple issues we'll be talking about, the rising cost of inflation, how it's affecting their members, the imbalance of rewards, within the company, especially with management, enjoying bonuses where everybody else just gets crumbs. And Southwest has had some computer problems, as you'll recall. They had a huge uh, meltdown, so a lot of that needs to be upgrading, and apparently that's going at a very slow pace. So we'll talk about all of that with uh, Lynn Montgomery as our first guest later in the show. We're going to check in with... uh, Alexandra, better known as Alex Jacoby. Alex is with the uh, Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. She's a uh, licensed professional counselor and entered her role as director of the Bricklayers Member Assistance Program, MAP, after delivering mental health services in a variety of settings for well over a decade. She uh, was recruited by an outpatient mental clinic mental health clinic. This was in uh, Columbia, Maryland, prior to this, where she worked in a counseling capacity for many years with persons living with moderate to severe mental health conditions and substance use disorders. Now, in that uh, treatment setting, Alex gained invaluable experience in case management, treatment planning, as well as strengthening her passion for working with disadvantaged individuals, groups, and families who had histories of trauma, abuse, neglect, foster care placement, lower socioeconomic status. I mean, there's a lot of issues happening in America today. And again, this is one of 
a series of interviews we've been doing this month because September is Suicide Prevention Month. And in construction, there are workforce considerations that are correlated with higher rates of mental illness and substance abuse. We've been talking about this on the show. And uh, this is just another union, what they're doing, trying to change that promote what they call a cultural shift within the industry so we can value, and this is so important, psychological safety as well as physical safety. That's so darn important. We're going to drive that point home on the show today. Alex says this requires an all-hands-on-deck approach, buy-in from people at every organizational level. We're talking employers. Locals, internationals, pushing past stubborn stigmas, dispelling myths about mental health that are pretty pervasive in this arena. That's something we've really zeroed in on. So, again, later in the show, we'll be checking in with uh, Alexandra Jacoby, who is the director of the Member Assistance Program of a giant union, International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. The website you want to go to is BACbenefits.org. BACbenefits.org. Unions in the news, making news. This uh, labor update brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. $17 billion in assets under advisement. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. The uh, most recent contract proposal by one of the big three automakers, Stellantis, to the UAW could, could possibly lead to the closure of 18 U.S. facilities. But at the same time, it could also bring new investments and repurpose an idle vehicle assembly plant in the state of Illinois. Here's the the latest. The plans would likely affect thousands of UAW members shrink the automaker's North American footprint and create what they call a new modernized parts and distribution network, which the company and union leaders have been at odds over. The focal point of the plan is the possible closure of 10 Mopar parts and distribution centers, which are scattered around the country, to consolidate them into larger Amazon-like distribution centers, according to uh, several sources. The proposal included a potential mega-hub at the Belvedere Assembly, which the automaker, again, we're talking Stellantis, they indefinitely idled earlier this year. We talked about that on the show. There were about 1,300 jobs there. And according to several reports, those jobs were going to Mexico. No surprise there. Nope. That Belvedere plant is one of the largest points of contention between the automaker and the union. Now, reopening the plant would be a major win for the UAW, but they have concerns about employment, uprooting workers and families, along with pay and automation. Specifically, they worry new facilities may not employ as many union members as the assembly plants and the current parts and distribution centers. Mopar jobs also pay less than positions at traditional assembly facilities, such as Belvedere, which was producing the Jeep Cherokees SUVs up until they closed that plant in February. 
The potential closures were part of Stellantis' most recent offer presented to the union, and that happened uh, last week. Two sources said the parts proposal for Belvedere has been one of the several discussions regarding the plant, and the offer could change, so we'll see what happens here. How about this? Donald Trump plans to skip the second Republican presidential debate next week and will instead hold a rally in Detroit to a group of union workers, including the UAW. The Trump campaign has also produced a radio ad specifically catered to union workers that will begin to broadcast in Detroit and Toledo, Ohio. These moves indicate a growing effort by Trump to align himself with union members, despite the fact that Trump has not directly supported the wage demands of the strikers and has criticized the UAW's leadership. In response to that upcoming visit, Sean Fain, president of the UAW, has condemned Trump's attempts to win union support, stating every fiber of our union is being poured into fighting the billionaire class and an economy that enriches people like Donald Trump at the expense of workers. In the meantime, Democrats in Congress and in the Michigan State Legislature have urged President Biden to visit the UAW picket line to demonstrate his solidarity with the union. While the president has touted himself as the most pro-union president and has explicitly backed the auto workers, the union has held off from endorsing President Biden. Meanwhile, Unifor, which is the Canadian union representing auto workers, extended negotiations with Ford Canada for a 24-hour period, putting a potential strike of auto workers there on hold. The contract between Unifor and Ford was set to expire at midnight Monday, but the union issued a statement announcing that it received a Pretty good offer from the employer minutes before the deadline, so they're checking it out. The union also noted that union members should continue to maintain strike readiness. Now, if Unifor and Ford do not reach an agreement in 24 hours, we're talking 5,000 Canadian auto workers who work at Ford's facilities in Canada will go on strike, and they will join the 13,000 members of the UAW who went on strike last week. And right now, Overall, not much progress reported in those talks. You know, it's not just the big three UAW members fighting for justice. Auto workers across the supply chain around the country are also on the move in Alabama, a right-to-work state. Workers at ZF, who make parts for Mercedes, have voted down the company's latest contract offer, and they're holding out for a better deal. Tim Smith is the director of Region 8, along with several Region 8 international staff. They recently joined the leadership of Local 2083. That's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The leadership distributed leaflets to members at the work site to educate, share information, and provide an update on contract talks between the UAW and ZF Industries. Turning to Hollywood... Multiple talk shows have reversed plans to return to air after receiving public blowback from the Writers Guild of America and its supporters. Drew Barrymore announced over the weekend that 
she will postpone bringing back her daytime talk show while those strikes continue. Similarly, Bill Maher announced yesterday that he will delay the return of his talk show Real Time. The Talk and The Jennifer Hudson Show have also followed suit, postponing their premiere dates in light of the ongoing Hollywood strikes. All the shows intended to return to air without any writers, which obviously drew some criticism from the WGA. By the way, the public responses to these uh, talk shows signal a shift from Hollywood's landscape during the strikes going back to uh, 07 and 08, when a lot of the talk shows returned to air with much less controversy. Different time in America right now. By the way, the WGA, the Writers Guild, has announced that the union will be resuming talks with studios this week. They've been on strike since the beginning of May. All right, quick break. When we come back, the transport workers and the story of Southwest Airlines. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight iron worker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at CWA-Union.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBalletSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. We had a really good conversation. I always love talking to uh, Melissa Cropper, president of the OFT. We did two really good segments yesterday. She's in Washington at an organizing seminar. So if you missed that, check out uh, awfpodcast.com. Before we get to our first guest, you know, I've been talking a whole lot about uh, CEO pay, especially with the uh, auto 
industry. Mary Barra, who is the uh, CEO at General Motors, and uh, she is one of the highest paid with a compensation package of, I hope you're sitting down for this, $28.98 million. That was for 2022. The single biggest component was $14.62 million in stock grants, which vest over three years and whose ultimate value depends on stock performance and other metrics. Her pay, by the way, increased 34% since 2019. That's the last time the UAW had their contract. Ford CEO James Farley received nearly $21 million in total compensation last year. That was a 25% increase over the $16.7 million then-CEO William Clay Ford received in 2019. His package last year included over $15 million in stock awards. Now, Stellantis, a little different there. This is a company that was formed in 2021 with the merger of Fiat Chrysler. And because it's a European company, the way Stellantis discloses executive pay differs from GM and Ford. In its uh, annual report, Stellantis reported their CEO, Carlos Taveros, his pay was 23.46 million euros. That's a 77% increase over then Fiat Chrysler CEO Mike Manley's pay of 13.28 million euros. I don't have the breakdown on euros. You'll have to Google that. But bottom line, it's a lot of money, and the wages for the auto workers have not gone up by that amount. Far from it, far from it. That's why they're on strike right now. All right, let's go out to Denver, Colorado, and join a dear friend. In fact, she reached out to us because they got a big event happening today in Denver. Lynn Montgomery is president of the transport workers, that would be local 556, website TWU556.org. I stand corrected. They now have 20,000 members, all flight attendants, at Southwest Airlines. Lynn Montgomery, welcome back to the show. Talk to me about what's going on in Denver today. This is all yours. Go ahead. Hey, yeah. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me back on this fantastic show. We are uh, not feeling like partying today, even though uh, corporate executives are throwing a party. And we are going to be protesting uh, at McGregor Square in Denver, Colorado this afternoon. Okay, what's this all about? And what, what's, uh, what's Southwest doing? They're, they call it a spirit party. What's that all about? It's it's a, sort of like a message to build a, a time to celebrate, you know, the corporation, which we don't feel like celebrating. Flight attendants have been having a really hard time, just like Southwest Airlines customers. We're still reeling from the meltdown of last December, and we cannot make our bills, and we're still in a really vicious contract battle to get wages where we can actually get paid above inflation. Right now, flight attendants are having to live in areas that, like, uh, we have to live in major cities, right, because we have to live within two hours driving distance while we're on reserve. So we are really struggling to make ends meet with the salaries that we have. Inflation is rising, and it's been five years since we've received a raise at Southwest Airlines for many flight attendants. And we, we're just, we're struggling. I have flight attendants living in their cars. 
Really? To get by. Mm-hmm. That's that bad. Wow. Well, if they're having a spirit party, it sounds like morale is low, but they don't want to raise the pay. Am I am I seeing this correctly or reading this correctly? The morale is as low as it can possibly be, and Southwest Airlines doesn't feel like it's their responsibility to have to keep up with inflation. That's okay. what they told us. Yeah. In uh, you know, in Bob Jordan's he became the CEO in February of 2022, and then was afterwards last year awarded 5.33 million in all pay and made 4.76 million in compensation, and his total pay included a base salary of $677,000. Even after the Southwest Airlines meltdown, he received a bonus of $196,000 and about $3.6 million in stock awards. All of this after the Southwest Airlines meltdown with labor contracts across the, across the property not being resolved. The pilots are also having uh, deep issues. We've had to enter into federal mediation just to get the company to get serious about negotiating. And flight attendants are angrier than ever. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, strike authorization votes. We are we're pulling out the stops, and that's never happened at Southwest Airlines before in this magnitude. So um, it's really sad because what was once a, a great employee-friendly, even labor-friendly airline is really falling from grace. And it's, yeah. it's, it's very, very, very concerning. The, the culture has changed dramatically from the previous CEO, and that, that is so sad because, to your point, I know it was very, very worker-friendly. But let's get back to this, this meltdown and getting a, a, a pay bonus. I, I don't understand. How could shareholders even approve anything like that? Do you know anything about that? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you have thousands and thousands of flights delayed, computer breakdown. Because it was, what, from the 1990s? And I don't even know. We could talk about that, too, if they're fixing that. But that's probably a slow, slow crawl right now. But what are the shareholders saying about all this, Lynn? Well, the shareholders are enjoying dividends. (laughs) They also were the first to pay um, approximately $425 million in dividends once again, before settling the contracts on property, I mean, that money right there could have uh, really compensated the flight attendants uh, for the back pay, for the time that we worked during COVID, for all the times that we've been rescheduled beyond our scheduled day when we haven't received a hotel, for the times we can't even get food. I mean, they're living lavishly, and we're having issues like not being able to get food while on duty and a hotel to sleep at night. So the difference is unbelievable. You have lavish living with the executives on one hand, and then you have flight attendants living sleeping on airport floors that's that's the dichotomy yeah 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 okay with what you just said how do they stay on the job Are, are are you seeing people say goodbye southwest i can't deal with this anymore we do have that which was commonly something that never happened once you once you stepped into the door at southwest airlines you stayed for decades but i have seen people who have been at southwest airlines for decades actually go work for other airlines and that has never happened 
in my uh, been at Southwest Airlines since 1995, I have not seen that happen to this magnitude. We also have new hires who come on property and they are so disappointed. They felt they were sold something, a job that doesn't exist, and they end up leaving. Very sad. Very sad. So this rally is going on as we speak. We're talking with uh, Lynn Montgomery, president of TWU Local 556, the national website, TWU556.org. We'll continue with Lynn. We'll get into the specifics of the contract, what the workers are demanding. Later in the show, we're going to check in with uh, Alex Jacoby who is with the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers, and she works with uh, mental health and suicide awareness. In fact, she is director of their member assistance program, BACbenefits.org. More to come right here on America's Workforce. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. FGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. In fact, uh, Pat Gallagher, who heads the North Coast Labor Federation, will be joining us tomorrow. Right now... We're in the middle of a really interesting conversation with Lynn Montgomery, president of the Transport Workers Local 556, TWU556.org. This is a union that is coast-to-coast. They're based in Dallas, and they have about 20,000 members, all flight attendants working at Southwest Airlines, who are struggling. They 
have not received a pay raise in five years. It's hard to believe. And there's a lot that happened in five years. One thing that stands out, inflation. And in the first segment with Lynn, there's flight attendants actually sleeping in their cars, living in their cars because the pay is so low. Many of them have left. So there's a big rally going on, all because Southwest, well, they know morale is low, so they're staging a spirit party in Denver. But the flight attendants are actually doing something a little different. They're picketing just steps away saying, you know what? Spirit ain't happening here. <laughs> hey, Lynn, now you've done these rallies in various parts of the country. You were telling me before we started the show, there was one in Chicago, and I guess there have been 13 pickets in the last year. And I guess they're all a little bit different. Talk to me about that part, Lynn. Well, typically we have been protesting at the airports, which we, we will continue to, to do. Um, but we have been protesting at the spirit parties because we are wanting the corporate executives to see in in see us rallying against their actual decisions that they are making. We want it to be very clear that they are making decisions that are greedy and selfish and they are um, living lavishly while we are not even being able to make ends meet. So we are at McGregor Square, where is the location of the Spirit Party. We are actually going to uh, stand, not go to the Spirit Party. We're going to stand and protest with picket signs. And then we will uh, get together at at the Jackson's Lodo restaurant, which uh, is is closed, especially for us. And we will be uh, strategizing on more ways that we are going to be able to come to a deal with Southwest Airlines. We're going to keep the pressure up until they deliver the right deal, because unfortunately, it has come to this. We absolutely are going to have to fight just for our right to have a good living. So they're not even talking to you? I mean, wages have been stagnant for five years. Are they even coming to the table saying, hey, we can help you out and do this? Is any of that happening or no? So we entered into federal mediation last year, almost around this time. And we did end up with an agreement that was overwhelmingly uh, just not going to uh, meet the cost of inflation. So the agreement that the company came up with was below inflation and the cost of inflation. And our flight attendants have overwhelmingly said, listen, this isn't going to do it. It's not really about what's happening in the industry right now. It's not really about industry leading. Right now is about the rising rates of inflation. I mean, a new hire flight attendant that has to live in L.A. might bring home about $1,600 a month, and rents there are $3,000. So it just doesn't compute. Like, where are you supposed to live? What are you supposed to do? People are moving back home with their parents. Their children are moving. They're you know they're moving back in with their children in some places just to wait until they get up the pay scale in order to make uh, a decent living. Sixteen hundred dollars a month take home in Los Angeles. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now we were talking about flight attendants leaving. Southwest has to get the message here eventually. They they got they need flight attendants in the planes. Um, I mean I mean how long can this last in your estimation, Lynn? 
flight attendant seems to be a glamorous job from the outside. So there are people who want to be a flight attendant. So it's not really a problem that there are not enough people who want to be flight attendants. The problem is, is that you have a workforce that is so unhappy that it breeds a lot of issues that the company is really yet to address. And it's becoming a huge morale issue that Southwest Airlines has never seen before. If Southwest Airlines does not fix the issues with their labor, the airline itself is in jeopardy. We already have huge issues with the the technology, as you know, the, the meltdown situation in December, the continued issues with just outdated systems or outdated methodologies that the company did not invest in. But the other thing that people are not talking about is that you had a company that people came to work there because it was supposed to be so great to work for. That is gone. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot continue to uh, breed this type of culture sell a different culture, and still expect to be a top-notch airline. You know, years ago, that was one of the issues that happened with with Eastern Airlines, that the morale became so low because management was not valuing their employees. And here at Southwest, it's, it's like... Um, it's like we're falling from grace. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the future of the airline if this does not get corrected. Yeah, it all starts at the top. And if they're going to create a culture that's bad for workers, you know what? The future of that business is not going to be very good. No, not at all. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the meltdown here. And after that happened, they, well, there were congressional hearings on this, and they said, okay, okay, we are going to spend money and upgrade our system. A system that was, what, started in the 1990s and they didn't upgrade it? Have they made any progress on that, Lynn? So Southwest Airlines has been looking into new systems, and they've been in a, in a, in a stage of, of build or buy a new system, and they've recently made the decision that they're going to custom make a, a, a system for Southwest Airlines because um, they're telling us that there isn't a system out there that can handle the Southwest, the size of Southwest Airlines operation. So, unfortunately, we are a ways out in getting real solutions. We're getting we're getting band-aids. We're getting temporary fixes, but we're we're leery. We hope that there is going to be a smooth Christmas season, holiday season, as we're you know we're closely approaching the next holiday season. But um, you know we're 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 ways out for that technology to be built. You know, it does take time to build code. So, uh, again, this puts flight attendants back um, in a position where it's going to take a long time to get relief. So we have to get a contract to get the language to fix some of these technology systems just to change some of the methodologies, which the union has put forth. We've modernized it. And now the company uh, needs to deliver the right pay so we can get that contract signed, sold, and delivered through our membership, and they can actually start working on this technology. So it all hinges on that. Yeah, yeah. Got to take care of the technology, and you got to take care of the workers. All right, you've done these, um, you've done these uh, rallies around the country, and uh, I have to ask you how how's the public gauging all this? And I bring this up because yesterday I had a story about the UAW members on strike, and uh, they did some polling, and seventy five percent of the American public is behind the auto workers. That's that's extraordinary. 
three out of four people, only 19% support the big three. So how's it, how's, how do you feel this one is panning out right now, Lynn? You know, we are seeing this nationwide with laborers nationwide. They have found that their voice, and they always have known it, but they have found that their voice is in uh, a union, your your collective voice all together. And it's actually uh, the best time in my lifetime for unions. Um, they are realizing that together, when we stand strong, we will make a dent in this corporate greed. And also, I think there is a a huge propensity for CEOs to continue to keep rewarding themselves. I'm really glad to see laborers nationwide standing up and saying, uh, that's not good enough. We all deserve a good living here. This is the United States of America, and we're not going to stand for it. Nobody in any union is standing for this. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of militancy right now. This is the summer of strikes, and uh, it looks like it's going to continue into the fall. Lynn Montgomery, president of Transport Workers Local 556. This is the transport workers that represent flight attendants at Southwest Airlines from coast to coast. Lynn's been president for five years, and in those five years, wages have been pretty much stagnant. Lynn, you hang in there, and thank you for reaching out. I keep telling our guests this show is your show. This is a show for workers. So you uh, you, uh, you got a pipeline here, sister, and uh, we'll get this done together, okay? Thank you so much. It's a great show, and I'm, I'm so glad you're doing it. It's great for working people. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with Alex Jacoby. Alex is director of the Member Assistance Program on behalf of the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes LIUNA to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. 
Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That's real simple. AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to line number two right now and welcome a newcomer to the show. As you know by now, we've been doing a series of interviews this month because September is Suicide Prevention Month. So we've been checking in with various individuals, experts in the field, zeroing in primarily on the trades because in the building trades, mental health and suicide, very, very prevalent. It's uh, about four times higher than in the general population. And joining us right now is uh, Alex Jacoby. Alex is with the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. She's been with them for over five years, and for the past year, she is director of their member assistance program. I'm going to give you the website here. It's bacbenefits.org. You can start right there. Alex, welcome to uh, America's Workforce. I was reading your bio a little bit uh, earlier, and uh, I see that you've got uh, pretty extensive experience in this. You even worked with uh, Baltimore City Public Schools, and then you found your way to the uh, bricklayers. Let me ask you, how did you get involved in this? This is very, very specialized. Let's start right there. Go ahead. Hi, Flash. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, Yeah, so uh, I am, um, by trade, a licensed mental health professional. Um, I've worked in a number of different settings, uh, community mental health, um, hospital, drug and alcohol treatment center, um, private practice, consulting, uh, worked for an insurance company. Um, and uh, at some point within the last 10 years, I decided as a person who is just extremely passionate about humanistic pursuits and causes that I wanted to be in the nation's capital to kind of be closer to uh, the people and places that are that really have their finger on the pulse with issues uh, related to the ability to impact and affect change in that arena. So when I found the opportunity to join the bricklayers, I was like, that is exactly where I need to be. It was the intersection of my kind of personal values and priorities of uh equity and, you know, making sure that the systems and institutions that have the power to exploit people are kind of kept in check, uh, combined with, of course, my professional expertise uh, as a licensed therapist, and uh, the rest is history. Very good. You, uh, you have a passion for this, and you want to make a difference, a positive difference. And I was reading earlier that uh, what needs to be done here, and this is so darn important, and and I kind of got this message from various guests that we had on the show. This requires, if you want to target this audience here and make a difference, especially those in the trades because the incidence of suicide is so prevalent there, it requires an all-hands-on-deck approach. So, Alex, I'd like to hear your take on that all hands-on-deck approach. Go ahead. Absolutely, yeah. So um, one of the things I mentioned earlier, I was thinking about this, uh, that I worked for an insurance company doing something kind of similar, uh, care coordination, uh, behavioral health care coordination, as to what we do now at the bricklayers. Um, And what had happened was they were initially outsourcing their behavioral health services to a vendor, and at some point they decided it was strategically more beneficial to bring that, bring that department in-house. 
So they eliminated the vendor uh, and transitioned everyone that was working for the vendor and brought them in-house because that was how they were going to have more of an impact, a better uh, ability to produce favorable outcomes for mental health and wellness amongst their uh, their insurance holders, their, their uh, policy members. Mm-hmm. So um, I think about that a lot in terms of what the bricklayers do, because this is definitely not to um, say anything negative about anybody that is outsourcing their MAP services or uh, just any sort of pro- uh, programs or training to vendors. But having our department in-house allows us a lot of leverage and access that we might not otherwise have. Um, so, you know, relationships with our collective bargaining department, the ability to advise on policies and programs, uh, language that best protect and look out for members' well-being, their mental health, what to do in a crisis, uh, things like that. Um, and to be able to um, work very closely with our leadership in a way that allows us to be really proactive about the kinds of acute issues that come up as they arise. Um, the Member Citizens Program has been around for 25 years. It's actually pretty incredible. I give our leadership so much credit uh, for their foresight. Um, you know, it's kind of a sexy topic currently, but it's certainly mental illness, suicidality is certainly nothing new, especially within our industry. Um, and in having that, uh, that those relationships and that connection, um, we have the ability to respond proactively to, you know, whatever sorts of issues are uh, really, really currently threatening to the well-being uh, of our membership. So to be able to kind of rally folks, to have that access, to be able to attend our executive council meetings, our local leaders meetings, our regional meetings, uh, to have partnerships and relationships with each of our locals around the country and Canada. Um, all of that really, really uh, empowers us to be able to be true engines of change in the realm of uh, mental health and well-being for members and to inform, to, to provide trainings, to uh, promote awareness campaigns, to strategize, to really just uh, include everyone in the process of promoting a cultural shift as it pertains to how the construction industry uh, approaches mental health and well-being. Alice, you've been director of the Member Assistance Program for a year now. That is relatively a short amount of time, but do you feel with all your resources, it sounds like you got a lot of energy. I love this conversation, and you're trying to make a difference here. But do you feel, and I often ask this, you feel you're making, you're pushing the needle in the right direction here. Do you feel you're making some progress on this? Because this is a very serious issue, especially in the trades. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, I don't get discouraged easily. Um, I know that the stigma in this industry is really, really stubborn. Um, it's not as simple as just having a sit-down, simple conversation and, okay, we're done here. The, the, the work is over. Um, it's really, really, I'm very well aware that it's 
seeing progress is really going to have a or going to be a cumulative effect over time, a gradual effect over time. And that is a really active process. It's not a passive process. That means kind of continuing to loudly, proudly, excitedly, energetically uh, say a lot of the same things over and over. I mean, it's really not a lot of the same things. It's the same message with, Mm -hmm. you know, updated information, statistics, uh, best practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I absolutely feel like I have the support of the necessary parties, our locals, our affiliates. Um, There's just so many people, amazing people in the trade doing this work, collaborating to really kind of figure out the best possible path forward. I'm actually currently right now working on um, a literature review to inform hopefully a publication on stigma and cultural change within the construction industry as it pertains to uh, mental illness and and help-seeking behaviors for mental illness and substance use behaviors. Um, so all of that to say, absolutely, I'm, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I am really, really committed to favorable outcomes, but I know that those outcomes, unfortunately, are not going to be here in one conversation, in one presentation. It's really, really going to be an has been and will continue to be an active process and journey. Oh, yeah. 24-7, 365 days a year. You know, it's important to point out, too, in the trades, we talk about safety in the trades, and all the trades have safety protocols. And uh, Mm -hmm. we do this show. We record this show at Ironworkers Local 17. Now, there... There's a trade where safety is paramount. I mean, you see what they're doing. I mean, it's so important that you pound that message in. But what we're talking about here, that's physical safety. We're talking about psychological safety. And wouldn't you say that's just as important as physical safety? Absolutely. Uh, And arguably, I mean, the statistics demonstrate at least the need for the understanding for that to be the case, given that. Uh, suicide, frankly, uh, kills more construction workers every year than um, all over all other workplace accidents. Uh, and so when you look at it from that perspective, you kind of have no choice but to see it as an equal platform or, or the need to have an equal platform, the importance of the message of psychological safety, um, encouraging locals and contractors and people at every le- uh, level within the industry to recognize psychological safety as important as physical safety if we want to reduce fatalities by suicide and substance use disorders within the industry. BACbenefits.org, that is the uh, the website for the Member Assistance Program, and we're speaking with uh, Alex Jacoby, who's the director of that program. Just about a couple of minutes left here. Um, is there anything you want to point out here? I mean, what what I have learned in talking to people like yourself is the amount of resources that are there and that human contact. And un- unions have an advantage there. You, you talked about all the different locals. I mean, you know, it's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. And it, uh-huh. it's important that you pay attention to somebody that might have a problem. That's pretty much the takeaway. Anything you'd like to add to that, Alex? Yeah, you know, a a lot of people are because there's um, it feels so panicky when you talk about suicide and people want a concrete 
protocol. They want to know what is the exact right thing to say, what is the exact right thing to do. Um, and something gets lost in there. You know, the sense of connection in and of itself is really a healing agent. The ability to sit with somebody, to be with somebody, to help somebody recognize that they are not a burden, uh, that they are worthy, that they are valuable, um, in and of itself is invaluable. I mean, you can't say enough about what that can do for a person's uh, will to live, for their sense of, you know, cultivating their sense of hope and uh, willingness to just keep going another day. Um, And so from that perspective, you know, there, there's kind of two angles here. When you're, when you're working with somebody who is actively uh, suicidal or is experiencing uh, the, ex- or expressing uh, intent to die by suicide, uh, of course, in that case, you are focusing on stabilization. You're focusing on stable, uh, saving a life. You're focusing on harm reduction. You're keeping that person alive. Um, once that person can connect to care, Suicide is preventable uh, with the right timing and the right interventions, evidence-based interventions. And so you're really, really helping somebody cultivate from the clinical perspective uh, their, their will to live, their, their sense of meaning, their sense of purpose. And one of the greatest ways we do that is through connection uh, and, and have, helping a person feel a sense of belonging. And so being with a union, I mean, that's why I cannot think of a better place to be because that value of the power in numbers and, and connection and sisterhood and brotherhood is just everywhere. Um, and so to be at a place that recognizes that, acknowledges that, sees the power in that, you just can't, you can't say enough about it. So don't be afraid to talk about suicide. Don't be afraid to ask somebody about suicide. Don't be afraid to ask somebody were you to not die by suicide, what would be the reason? Uh, suicide can't be a scary word if we're going to do something about it. Um, and we're here. We look forward to hope that we uh, generate some awareness from this interview today. Look forward to continuing to supporting our members, their family members, and to you know continuing to be within the union family and, and show up in a way that is, is true to that, you know, that that's not just talk, that that's in practice. Alex Jacoby, director of the Member Assistance Program of the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. That website you want to check out is bacbenefits.org. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. That'll be uh, it for another edition of America's Workforce tomorrow, the American Federation of Government Employees and the North Coast Labor Federation. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.